Welcome to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. Sit back, relax, and grab a beverage with your host, David Bischline. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of the Adoptive Dad Playbook. I am your host, David Bischline, or Dave, please call me that. First off, hope everybody is having a great spring or summer or whenever you're listening to this. Our Easter was really good. I hope you guys had a great Easter, and we are really excited about May and Lots of good and exciting things are happening, which we'll talk about on the podcast in the future. Man, today's charitable organization or podcast is actually going to be a podcast. And one of my favorite podcasters, Candace Laycock and Callie Troyer from Adoption Hacks. I got to give it up uh, for Candace, especially. She started Adoption Hacks, and it was one of the very first podcasts that I listened to about adoption. And she also has adopted from Korea. Uh, Hopefully her and her husband will come on the podcast. She's gotten to be very popular and a very big podcast. She actually does it with Callie Troyer now. So they do it together. They co-host together. She is a phenomenal person. Every time that I've ever emailed her, she always answers. Appreciate it. Callie does a great job as well. It's just a really good podcast. It gets real. Uh, They talk about a lot of issues and they've been doing it for about four or five years now, and she does a good job. So if you're looking for another good adoption podcast besides the Adoptive Dad Playbook, give Adoption Hacks a try. Without further ado, we're going to hop right into the podcast today. Uh, but remember, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, email me at adoptivedadplaybook at gmail.com. would love to hear from you if you have a prayer request a guest that you think would be good. If you'd like to be on the podcast and you have a good adoption or foster story, please share. would love to hear that. If you have a show idea you want to hear more about, let me know. would love to hear from you guys. Uh, remember to leave a five-star rating or a positive review on whatever you listen to and just share it. I appreciate that. Well, like I said, we have some really good news coming up in the next couple episodes, so stay tuned for that. But today's guest, without further ado, is a YouTuber. That's how I found this gentleman. He was on YouTube. He has adopted two children from China. Um, Chris Muller, just a really, really nice guy. Took his time out of his day for me to interview him. And I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. Mainly we focus on special needs, but just adoption in general and kind of the challenges that follow there. So without further ado, today's episode with Chris Muller. Hope you enjoy it. All right, guys. Today's guest is a special one. First off, he is a husband, a father to both biological and adoptive children. But most importantly, he is a director of operations. His office looks straight fire. He also has his own YouTube channel. Let's welcome Mr. Chris Muller to the podcast. Chris, first off, thank you for coming on. And uh, I just want to know, how'd you get so many followers on your on your uh, YouTube channel? Well, you know, thanks, David, for finding me on there. there there's actually quite a few people who follow adoption, uh, especially on YouTube. And so I was able to quickly get some followers on there. But my first video I've ever did was about World War II veterans coming into uh, the um, into the airport. I got almost 2 million views on that. So that, I've really been able to just kind of piggyback on that one video I did by accident. But now I have all the uh, adoption mostly now. 
So you just basically told all of us that you need to have one great video and that's all you need, right? To get all those there, followers. There you go. Just something to hook onto and then you can do what you really love after that. Yes, that, that's my strategy. Not really, but it worked. <laughs> well, it works and that's really all, all that matters uh, for you. Yeah, I was surfing around because I'm not going to lie. I... I'm kind of a, an adoption video guy. I just, I like, I get excited, you know, whenever we get to go get our daughter at some point um, that I'm like, Oh, and so I watched your videos. I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched all of them. I got to be real. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I did watch your video when you went to get your uh, second son from China and I noticed your wife wasn't with you. And I was like, man, maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. So you took your daughter, I think. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It was, it was because we adopted another one and it would have been very traumatic, we thought, to leave him with grandparents at that time. And also it had been difficult to have him come all the way to China again. So um, it worked out well. This is the beauty of having um, FaceTime that we're able to connect every single day. So it's like she was there with us. That's, that's awesome. Uh, so how, tell us how your uh, life has been during COVID lockdowns. Because you live in uh, Rochester, New York, correct? Yes, that's right. So are you from Baton Rouge or did you just live there? No, we're from Rochester and then we um, actually moved to Baton Rouge for work. But when it was kind of an interesting story, it's an adoption story on there. When we adopted our first one, Joshua, we ended up, he had a foster brother in China. And I, we asked, hey, is there any way we can stay in touch with that other boy? And they said, because of very strict rules, it's not possible. You can't stay in touch. So uh, we, they wouldn't even tell us what country he was being adopted in, this other boy. And then it was only a couple of days into my adoption. I posted an adoption uh, photo on that Facebook page. And then a few, a day or two later, I got an IM uh, from somebody saying, hey, um, congratulations on your adoption. Is your boy the same one that's connected to the boy that we're going to adopt uh, here? And so we were able to connect with this family that we would normally have never been connected to. And the, the amazing part is they live in Louisiana. And my company, coincidentally, said, hey, we need somebody to move to Louisiana. Would you be interested in doing that? And so I said, absolutely. And that's how we got to be close, bring our boys together. They had a great reunion, but that was all paid for by my company. But they didn't realize it was actually to, the real reason was to reunite these two boys that were separated uh, in China. Um, so it was, a, it was a fantastic story there as well. That I mean, number one, it, you, that's quite a difference from Rochester, New York to Louisiana. I'm sure the uh, the climate uh, was probably very challenging to get used to for a little bit living down well, there in Louisiana. In, in Rochester, we get 100 inches of snow per year, and we get zero in Louisiana. So it was a, a little different. It never felt like winter came, like it never closed out the year. But um, I, I've become an LSU fan. You can't not be an LSU fan in Louisiana. So uh, I'm a diehard LSU now. So what, how has your life changed uh, during COVID? How has that affected your family? You know, I think it's the same thing for everybody. There's just been a lot more time together. It's been strange um, in many ways, but it's also a time where our family can be together much more. Our lives were always so scheduled that there's always something every night to do. And all of a sudden not having that has actually been a, a huge blessing, I think, for our family that we can we can be together every every night and have dinner together and and so on. So from that perspective perspective it's been um it's been actually quite a nice benefit to us to be no, together. I, I get I get that. We kind of just kind of started back up for baseball and flag football and 
I felt like we went from nothing to something almost overnight. So it's been an interesting change. I, I get that. Uh, you, everyone's kind of said that they've enjoyed that time a little more. So that's, uh, yeah. that's good. All right. We're going to hop you into our warm up questions here, uh, Chris. So first off, what is your drink of choice? Um, you know, I've been doing this intermittent fasting phase for the last couple of years. So I have black coffee, especially in the morning and I flip over to water, but I, I've, I've actually become addicted to black coffee in the morning. That's my thing. I've tried that a little bit. It, it was, it was, it was up, had it ups and downs for sure. Uh, it had its ups and downs. All right. What's the one thing that most annoys your wife and or kid you do? <laughs> you know, a funny thing about this, David, is I, I knew this question was coming because I listened to your podcast. So I asked my wife last night and said, is there anything that annoys you? And then she had their answers a little too quick. I thought <laughs> they always do. They always do. But if you have an answer too quick, no dice. They're going to get it. Oh, what do you need? So I feel you, man. So she said, leaving the TV on when I leave a room, when I leave the cabinets open, when I leave the doors open. And, and I had to stop her there. Okay, that's enough. There's just one. Uh, that's it? That's all you got? Come on now. You can have more than that. Well, why, why close the cabinets if I'm just going to open them again 15 minutes later? So I figured just leave them open. You know? I feel I feel you. I feel. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have a TV show? Or are you listening to a podcast, reading a book? Anything like that? What's your kind of thing right now? What's your guys, what are you into? Yeah, you know, we, we've always been into the, the cop shows on TV. So Blue Bloods, Chicago BD, SWAT, you know, we're, we're, that's just our, our, our thing. All of them we watch. I, I should have been a policeman, uh, but we watch those pretty much every night. All right. Are, are you a video gamer? No, no. I, uh, I play uh, puzzles on my phone, uh, but <laughs> not, not real video games. Since Donkey Kong in the 80s, I don't think I've done much video gaming since then. I think you've dated yourself a little bit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the original. It always reminds me of that Adam Sandler movie. I think Mortal Kombat's the greatest game ever. I think Donkey Kong's the greatest game ever. <laughs> he was talking to this young kid. So yeah. it, it always reminds me of that. All right. So I got to ask you, I know you had a chance to interview or talk with Stephen Curtis Chapman. What was that like? Oh, yeah, it was Mary Beth and Stephen Curtis Chapman. They started this um, care center in China called um, Maria's Big House of Hope that was named after their daughter um, who ended up um, dying, but they adopted her. And so two of our boys actually were in that care center there as well. And their organization called Show Hope was took care of our, both of our boys for a while. So uh, we've got to be connected to them in various different ways. Um, you know, the one thing about Stephen Curtis Chapman is he is truly one of the nicest people you meet. There's no difference from what you see on TV to what you see in, in real life. And um, one little interesting little side note is we talked to his daughter, Emily, and she said that her grandmother um, was looking for an orphan to pray for and put on her refrigerator. And uh, she said, by the way, that, boy that her grandma was praying for was now our son caleb um so we That's always awesome. had that connection what a cool, thing. What a cool yeah. connection that is. <laughs> yes yes for the audience stephen curtis chapman is i guess he still records he's a christian recording artist he's been around for quite a while uh pretty pretty notable christian recording artist uh, i actually emailed him to ask if he'd want to be on the podcast i got his assistant and she said you need to check the website so that i guess that meant no <laughs> oh, no. I'm not. Maybe one day if I ever get big yeah. enough, I can have him on it. You got You got to swing big, you know. I assistant <laughs> yes. did not seem to understand, so I sent an email back, and I have not heard back from the assistant. So if anybody knows Stephen Curtis, they can get him on. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Good. <laughs> so that was my Stephen Curtis story, but yeah, he has a really phenomenal. Uh, they do a lot of things uh, for orphan care, which is really really great. Absolutely. Uh, so, all right, we're going to hop into it here. Uh, you just, you, your office just looks 
awesome. I mean, it just looks like a, you have just, he's got like, for the guys, for people that are listening, he's got a fancy bookshelf with like an award and a plant and some books and has his own table and like a whiteboard with all the stuff. <laughs> if you were to picture an office, like this is it, man. Like you have the picturesque office for a teacher. That's what, that's what I envision an office. Oh, it's clean. I mean, well, you don't see the part that's not on camera. Um, that, that part's a disaster. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's like HGTV. We're only seeing what they want us to see. They don't just see us. <laughs> All right. So why don't you, for, I know that a lot of people have probably seen your YouTube channel, but why don't you share just about your adoption journey with us and just kind of share what that's been like? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, a good place to start. You know, we have, we we had two kids and my wife and I have decided we only want two kids. That's how we started. And we had a, a boy and a girl and it was the, the quintessential family. And she had talked about when we first started getting married, how she had something on her heart to adopt kids with special needs. And we haven't really talked about it much since then. Um, when the kids were teenagers, we were at a Bible study with our church and one the leader had said, what are, what's something that you feel you've been called to do that you've been ignoring. And that's where she felt very convicted by that and so on. So that was something that since then we, we started to um, apply. We found an adoption agency that was recommended um, named CCAI. And we, um, we filled out an application, but we only got halfway through it. Uh, the thing that kind of got us uh, stuck is the spot that talks about special needs. And you start to read these special needs and thinking, there's some hardcore special needs on here. Um, and we were looking for you know, something relatively small. Um, and life got away from us. I am getting uh, fairly sick and um, that was had some big troubles and then my my wife was thinking she told me later on yeah this isn't this isn't for us this adoption thing and then something kind of interesting happened is out of the blue uh on one particular day uh, we got a call as a voicemail on our home phone uh from the adoption agency saying hey chris and cream we'd like you to uh think about adopting this child and had somebody in mind even though we never actually completely filled out and it's almost like, you know, God was calling us to do this. And it's like, no, thanks. And then oh, well, I'm going to call you and, and have this. So um, that was now our boy Joshua uh, out there as well. Um, but it was a little unusual that actually the adoption agency came to us rather than vice versa on that, too. Yeah, I, I could only imagine what that would be like for them to contact you. I'm always trying to contact ours and things like that. So you, so you went to China uh, and that special needs form, that is overwhelming. I know for Korea, and I'm sure that China was very similar because technically, I think in most countries, you have to adopt a special needs. Now that can vary from, in Korea, it can be as much as a Mongolian spot uh, or, or, you know, um, you know like a port, like a port mark. Um, and I'm sure... It's tough looking at that. What did you think when you started looking at that list? Because I know for me, it was overwhelming and just kind of like you felt like a really bad person. Like, oh, I don't I don't want a child with that. And, and you yeah. go for me, at least it was I'm looking at it like, well, if my son or daughter was born, I wouldn't reject them. So, I mean, for me, that was kind of like a surreal moment. How about for you? You know, that's that's the thing that was surreal is for our, our two biological kids, we're hoping and praying while they're um, going through the pregnancy that everything is good, that there's no problems at all. And so it seems so contradictory that we're actually seeking out 
people with the problems that we were hoping we wouldn't, wouldn't have. Um, we came in looking for somebody that was an orphan that needed parents. And so we were looking at more as a ministry. We weren't looking to have more kids um, necessarily, but it was more of a ministry as we're going into here. But there was, it, it was overwhelming. In fact, the paperwork for Joshua, it said malformation of all four limbs. That's that's exactly how it was described. And we're thinking, what does that mean? Um, malformation of all four limbs. I, I'm not even sure what that is. Can he walk? Can he, what, what, what's going on? And it was, it was, um, it was a little scary because sometimes that either in the translation or that they aren't totally clear on like what the issue is. It wasn't until we went to adopt Joshua that we were with, a. Uh, a group, there's seven families that came uh, with us on our group. One of the other families, his name, uh, his, I call him Dr. Pete, he's a pediatrician. So how lucky is that to have a pediatrician on your group out there? That's and, incredible. You guys got really lucky. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and the Dr. Pete, I'll probably give a little more stories about how that our lives intertwined many times there. But Dr. Pete looks at um, him and says, I think he has arthrogryposis. And he might as well just say a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, now we know arthrogryposis multiplex congenita is a, it's a, something that afflicts about one in every 3,000 live births where their hands and, turn, and their ankles are turned in. And um, that's what arthro means joints and then gryposis means um, curved. And so they often can be adjusted a little bit through surgeries and so on. They're never quite able to have all the functionality and kind of have to work around that. Um, but that was something that um, we didn't know exactly what to expect, but we just knew, as you had said, if we had a live birth and there was an issue, we would love him or her exactly the same. So this is kind of the same thing. And so as we're concerned about, I've heard on some of the other shows that, that you've recorded, uh, like, well, sometimes you don't have all the information. Maybe they don't have that. And then, well, it kind of says, doesn't make a difference. What it is, it, this is going to be our child. Uh, we've already made decisions, our child. So whatever right, happens, right. we're going to love them the same way. So that, it's a, That's a good way to put it. So you go to China. So you adopt Joshua. That's my oldest son's name. And you're like, man, that was good. Let's go again. Is that basically what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were we were done. Uh, now again, we were done. No, you weren't done. No, you weren't yeah, done. Come we, on, we, man. We thought, yeah, so we thought in our own little minds that we were done, and uh, I think there was other plans for us. And so I remember I mentioned Dr. Pete. It was actually his his wife had posted on Facebook um, a post from Show Hope, Stephen Curtis Chapman's uh, organization, about another boy that was looking for parents. Um, and it was something that kind of, you know, pricked our hearts on him. He has spina bifida, which again, no idea what that was at the time. Now I realize that was something that part of his spine was born outside of his body. And he is paralyzed completely, doesn't feel a thing from his waist down. And that um, was a little bit more of a intense need than we would have even checked off on before. But now that we've kind of went through that first one, it's like, that doesn't sound so bad either uh, out here. And um, so it was, uh, again, that kind of thread between Dr. Pete and his, uh, his wife was the one to kind of introduce us to this child. And um, because the way it works in China, uh, at the time at least, is that you can reuse your dossier, which is this gigantic piece of adoption paperwork. You can reuse it if you do it within the, a year. And this was like day 362 that we put it in. And because of that, our second adoption was eight months start to finish. 
because we're able to reuse a lot of it. Um, so that wow. worked out much better. Right. That, you that's, know about uh, dossiers. Oh, dossiers, man. That's uh, you might as well just put down, you know, everything, you know, what you, everything you've ever done. Like for Korea, we had to have a psychological eval. Did you have to do that for China? Yeah, uh, yeah, we have to have a home study. There's, I don't know if it's exactly a psychological eval, but I think that the person doing the home study is evaluating us there. And you have to have a physical, oh, your, yeah. B, your BMI has yep. to be a certain way. Uh, oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there. Uh, we had to physically go to a psychologist, and she had to do these tests and ask us wow. questions. Yeah. And I thought, I'm surprised I passed. I thought they would certify me insane, but it was all right. I passed. <laughs> We have well, a we have a letter from China that says that we've been deemed suitable to be a parent. So, and my sister said that we should frame that, put it on the wall that we've been declared by a giant government we're suitable to be a parent. <laughs> you know, that's always nice to know. I I've always wanted to do something really important so that a my university would give me an honorary doctorate. So I'd call myself doctor. That's kind of the same way. Like I'm suitable to be a parent. China says <laughs> that's the same thing. Same, uh, same thing. So you so you adopt these two special needs boys how does that and you have two uh, uh, biological children how did that dynamic like did that change the family dynamic in a way that was you know took a long time to get used to or was it pretty much seamless um it, it, it's it's not it wasn't it was not as much seamless now there we had a lot of space between ours we had two teenagers before we adopted so they could actually be part of the process um they were something they were excited about this they felt like they were adopting little brothers at the same time so unlike if there was just a year or two between them that they would be like who's this new person that's all of a sudden in our house they were actually active participants in the adoption process which i think helped out a ton um that that was one of the things that's a little scarier is you know we're we've already gotten our heads we're almost home free while the kids are out of the house and then saying, all right, one more time. Let's just, <laughs> let's just start over again as a parent. That part was a little, a little freaky for us to kind of think that, Hey, we're, we're, like we do the math in our heads. How long until we go to our last graduation? We're going to be much older. People are going to think they're, we're the grandparents uh, here at the graduation there. Um, but that, it really worked out well with, with our kids because they understood the why they understood, um, all, all the pieces of it. it doesn't always work out exactly the same way if there's a rivalry or, or not, but I think they worked out. Um, right now, if you come into a house, they pick on each other, um, just like brothers and sisters do. They, they're, they're doing practical jokes on each other. It, you wouldn't realize that they weren't, you know, biological brothers and sisters just on how they are today. Oh, that's fantastic. Because sometimes that was always one of my greatest concerns of, of adopting is that we'd get a child with special needs and my sons would then kind of almost become resentful because that would require more time spent doing yeah. other things from them. So that's, that is a really positive message, I think, for a lot of dads and people to hear. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it works out. Um, and our kids were getting naturally to the age where I think they were more independent other, anyway. So they probably wanted less and less to do with their parents, uh, you know, the, the older teenagers. So I think it kind of worked out uh, well. But it, it is, you know, the one of the things is there's these books that talk about um, in order and so on. Sometimes, <laughs> I, sometimes I think they, they kind of put too much scary stuff in there as well. And it, because it gets people overthinking quite a bit. And um, we didn't see 
the, the challenges that they would say, oh, this is a disaster. Don't do this. Our, our, the second child we adopted was actually two months older than the first one we adopted. And according to the book, that was never going to work out. And they are inseparable best friends. Like they, they don't want to do anything. If one goes in one room, the other one has to be with them because they just are always together. So, um, so I would just say to a lot of people, just sometimes those quote experts out there, um, take it with a grain of salt um, out there because everybody's unique, everybody's different, and um, they can really kind of get in your head uh, sometimes too on that. No, I, I get that. I do personally think, you know, as we're moving this journey, I'm not you, I haven't been there yet. So I, it all, you know, it, it sounds great. You know, it's getting more real, but you know, you watch a movie like Instant Family and that's a good, it gives you a good snapshot. But it's like the old Full House sitcom where within the hour and a half movie or two hours, you know, it's all happy at the end or it looks good. I think sometimes you got to get real. So I, I think with adoption, you either get people that are jaded and angry about it, or I've noticed at least. And then you kind of have almost this rose-colored glass mindset. So I guess it's good to kind of show that. I know there's a family on YouTube. I, they're, they're actually Korean themselves and they adopted from Korea actually through our agency. And they've been given a real realistic view of adopting and the challenges. So I think it's good to get the realism, but at the same time, I think you're right. What one person says may not fit with your family. I, I like yeah. you that. Yeah, that, 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 that's, um, and also one thing my, my wife is always clear on Facebook as she posts that it's not all the roses and um, everything that people think because there's just as many challenges and, and tears and, um, frustrations, especially with kids with special needs. Um, you know, there, there's times when some of the medical issues will go wrong and we just think, man, this is just getting so complicated. Um, so, you know, an interesting thing is when uh, Dr. Pete, who I had mentioned before, he, they had offered, he had offered that he would look at the paperwork for Caleb, our second adopted son, and kind of let us know his professional opinion about what that means. And so we sent it on to him and we had a uh, consultation. He read through it and said, here's the things that could go wrong. This could be uh, as a with spina bifida, and if something happens with his hydrocephalus, he could actually um, not be able to function. He could become, quote, a vegetable, according to, you know, that's, I think that's kind of actually what the term they use sometimes. They, they, there's a lot of things that could go really wrong. And uh, he wanted to give us the good and the bad and say, here's what to expect. And so my wife and I hang up with him. And so I guess what I said is, all right, well, now we know, let's go. And then she goes, I thought you'd be scared off by that. And, and my thinking was, what's well, so our son? What, what, there's nothing he could have said that would have, would have changed that. If, and there's something in the adoption process. Um, and I think you probably beyond it now with, the, with your daughter is that it's no longer just a picture. This is your child out here as well. And as we all know, if you have biological kids, you'll run through walls, you do anything for them. And so you get to that point where, it's you're beyond the point of no return. It, it's if no matter what happens, I'm going for my boy and there's nothing that can stop me from him from getting him. And so that's where something that was kind of scary. It's like, all right, we'll, we'll take care of that. But that's my son. What, what are we going to do? Um, and we haven't had those issues out there. Dr. Pete really just wanted to warn us that here's the, some of the things that can happen. So I sent him a text and said, even though all the things, all the challenges, we decided we're going to go ahead. And he goes, that's, ex that's exactly what I hope you would do. I'm so happy and so on. But he wanted to make sure that we knew the, the negative parts too, that we didn't go in there just thinking this was going to be um, 
just happy, uh, happily ever after. And then we're shocked. You know, we really want to have a realistic view going into this as well. That, you know, watching yeah. your videos, and I think you watch a lot of those adoption videos, it, the gotcha day, I don't, whatever the day, I don't know the proper term that's used now, but you know, those gotcha day videos yes. when you picked up your, and you're, especially on your second one, I remember when you took your daughter, it, it, you have these like, the, the music's in the background, it's usually, there's a, there's like three <laughs> or four songs, and you show pictures of China, like you're showing China, like, oh my gosh, you're at the Great Wall, and you know, everyone's doing all this, and then you pick them up, and then, oh, then you bring them home, and everyone's at the airport, or so, it, it, and I think it's always those moments between like when you're alone your first night what's that like you know and things like sure. that I, it, 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 it is it is very interesting but i i think i loved your videos i think they're great but sometimes i wonder when i watch them, okay what was that first night like when you got home and what was it like when you're at the hotel and you know on the plane we're on our way home and you, you they're sleeping well, i'm like i'm sure they weren't asleep the moment you got off the plane i i think that that's very valid and it's something that we all have to know is whenever you see any social media everywhere it's, it's only the best it's only the, the perfect and this is not just adoption this is anywhere else they always have to Facebook keep that life. everybody yeah, wants to live exactly. with Facebook so I, I well with our boy was spina bifida caleb um he had to have um he has to be catheterized four times a day and basically that's um a tube in his urethra they take out his urine and that, that's i i've never even seen that let alone done it and so i'm there in china on my own um and with my daughter and um and with that first day the um Maria's Big House of Hope, uh, the Chapman's place, they sent a nurse over to kind of train me. And so fortunately, uh, one of them came in and kind of showed me, and they, they speak Chinese, so it was a little bit of a language barrier. So I was like, I think I got this. Um, yeah, you got it. You're good. You see it once, you're good to go. It's like watching a YouTube video fixing your sink, right? I got it. It's all good. <laughs> exactly. And then now the way they had us do this is every six hours, including midnight. So it's midnight, 6 a.m., uh, noon. And so I set my alarm for midnight and I'm thinking for the rest of my life, am I going to have to wake up at midnight and do this? And um, now it turns out as we got home, the American doctor is saying, no, no, not at all. You do it before bedtime. You do it when they wake up. Um, but because that he was under 24 hour care, it was no big deal for them doing it in the middle of the night. Um, but we figured it out. It was, it was a little freaky. Uh, like I, I, does this hurt? <laughs> that, you know, and but of course he doesn't feel anything, but that, um, that was part of the the learning there the, like made the stuff that wouldn't necessarily make it to the video um in there as well um but some of the medical things can be a little bit different getting uh used to but any kid with special needs any, any mother or, or parents i should say um they're used to that you just kind of get into the routine and you're doing it and then it's nothing after a while the first time is like this i i'm i've never been trained i'm not a registered nurse i don't know how to do this um but you learn it uh, out there. I can, I'm, I could only imagine you and cause you're there without your wife too. And so I couldn't, have, I, I'm like, here you go, Greta. That's my wife. You, you go, I'll be over here. And you know, for my, so for my wife and I, we actually met at a camp for physically and mentally disabled adults and children. So we're, we didn't necessarily do that, but we know that it occurred and we've been around it cause they had nurses there to do it. But for us, I, I guess that'd be like, Oh, all right, and this now I just have to do it myself, and so it, it, it probably wouldn't freak us out as much. But man, I could not imagine being in China, all of a sudden having to learn how to do that. That you're a better man than me. I'm like, yeah, no, no, that's just just what we do as parents. And that that the thing you mentioned, the plane ride coming home, that was a hard thing. It was a 16 hour flight coming back, so I had to do it multiple times. 
Now, try doing this in one of those little airplane bathrooms. Uh, and and by the way, you never notice all the turbulence until you're trying to do this. And like, there's no way I could do. No this. way. I, I, <laughs> you know, it's, it sounds like it sounds like a, a, a like a like a you know comedy drama, family drama. You know, like it, it, that didn't even seem real. It seems like something that would be. But you're right. It's all that turbulence. I couldn't even imagine you just. <laughs> so and uh, I think to, you, you nailed it as dads. If my wife was there, this would have been her job, and I would have said, "Hey, good luck with that." Um, but I, I had to figure this out, and then when we got home, I trained her. And now I'm an expert. I've been doing it for two weeks that um, on how how to do this. Um, but that actually probably helped me on forcing me to just figure it out <laughs> there. Yeah. That that's a, I think that's awesome. I think that kind of leads us to my next question a little bit. As you like before you even began to adopt, or even as you're an adoptive dad. Like what are some fears that you've had or like, how did you overcome that? I know for me, I feel like I'm failing something as a dad frequently. Like, what would you say as a, even during the adoption process or maybe even after what's been like your biggest fear or concern that you go through? Well, the, the first thing was the financial aspect of it. Um, because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, at the time we had, we had, that like many people and so on and thinking I, I can't afford this and how, how this is going to work. And for our first child, for Joshua, we figured out actually it took a, um, a, a home equity line of credit on our house and we're able to use that. Um, what, what I didn't realize, I remember then meeting the other families and we're in there on the first day and I'm meeting everybody else and somebody mentions fundraising. And I was like, wait, what? You can fundraise? And, and I was kicking myself. I was like, why did I not think of fundraising? <laughs> We're just doing it this way here. Um, so then for our second uh, boy, um, I, my sister-in-law had reached out and said that she wanted to kind of lead a fundraiser for us. And I think, well, that, that's so nice. That's so nice. And she, she said, how much should I do? And I said, how about we do $300? That would be awesome. And she, and she said, well, I was thinking 15000 And I was like, $15,000? Nobody's going to give that much money. Are you out of your mind? Um, you got to think big, Chris. You got to think big. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then, um, you know, through the, there's there's a whole community out there, especially on Facebook. Um, I think it's called Shop With a Purpose. There's one that's on um, Facebook where anybody could have their fundraisers out there. And they all have their t-shirts and their things. So that's all adoption fundraisers on this one group called Shop With a Purpose. Uh, but we got to reach out to our, or actually my sister-in-law did it for us, to our friends and family. And so many people rallied around. And then we also, my company happened to have a $4,000 adoption uh, benefit that is given to people. So that was simple. It's 4,000. We got um, about $5,000 that came in from um, fund rate. I mean, um, grants. And I didn't realize this. My wife can, she applied for these grants and there's this money being ready to be given out. And then another thing, which I didn't realize at first, but that right now the adoption credit uh, from the federal government is I think around $14,000 is about 13 when we did it. Now you don't get that until you do your taxes next year. Um, so that's a challenge. You have to float the money uh, for then, but you will get, and also the other key uh, caveat I should tell if anybody's listening is that it comes off of your federal tax that you paid. If you didn't pay at least $14,000, you're not getting 14000 Then it'll go to the next year. You'll get that in, but they're not going to give you more than you paid in federal tax. Uh, so one of our families in our group didn't realize that. 
and then realized that they would actually, it would take them a couple years to get all the money back from the government. But between that, it, it suddenly makes it a little bit less scary when you start to realize there's a lot of money out there that is for people like us that are looking to adopt. I was completely ignorant of it my first time adopting. And the second time, we got to be fully funded, didn't have to have any of it um, that we were, had to finance or any other way because uh, we were just much smarter about it on the second time around. Yeah, that, we we've been we fundraise. We've been very blessed with some uh, some uh, grants and some donations. So I, I, yeah, we got after that pretty quick. And with COVID hitting almost about the same time we started, we were really worried. But you know, God definitely provided. And it's it's been. I know we have we actually had a show hope grant. Actually, speaking of oh, that, so, oh, so yeah, awesome. I think we've sent out like. 10, 11 applications. And we heard back from a few, which was very, we've been very blessed, put it that way. So as you adopt a special needs child and you're a multiracial family, you're a blended family now, what, what things, what kind of obstacles, and especially in this modern climate we're seeing with, you know, with, with, with Asian prejudices and things like that, and, and, and having a special needs child, has that added another layer from, from that, that you've seen? Yeah, you know, it, the kids are kind of young enough right now that we haven't seen the racism yet, although I know that's going to come. And that that becomes a a real passionate thing for us as dads, uh, even though that uh, I'm as European looking as they come, is that now that defending people of these minorities, because now my boys, my two boys are, are in that group. And so we're kind of ferocious in defending them and uh, for that. Um, the, the interesting thing, more than anything, was in China, or actually in China. It's a very homogenous country where 99% of the people look, look very similar. They all are of Chinese descent. And so when we're having our boy, because of this separately, in a stroller, the looks that we would get, and it wasn't angry or anything it was just confused like what what is going on there why is that guy pushing that chinese baby um in the stroller and that that was something that was pretty interesting in fact in china there were people constantly taking our picture um and at one point on the great wall of china people started to line somebody came up to next to my wife and i on our first trip and asked if we could have a picture with us and i said oh sure okay here we go and then he gets up and somebody else takes a spot on the steps. Like, what in the world? Okay. And then I look back and a line had formed of people to take their picture with us because they were just so enamored seeing some Americans uh, that there was people that were taking our picture. Um, they probably thought you were a celebrity. Maybe they, they saw your YouTube. <laughs> they they saw your YouTube. Like, it's a famous YouTuber. <laughs> yes, I, I've heard yes. that. I, I know in Korea that we're hearing that. They, they are not always fans of of international adoption korea so we're trying to prepare ourselves and luckily for us is that you can kind of plan your second trip the way you want to do it and you can you get a date and then basically you can leave base as soon as the next day after you, you have to go through the embassy but yeah you don't i don't it's not really as welcome from what i've heard now maybe someone listening will tell me differently uh but yeah so i i am that's something that's on the top of my mind. Like, Ooh, you know, like people, you, you have your, your custody date, you get your child. The next day you have to go to the embassy and they have to do like a physical. But then I think after that, you're free to go. And I don't think we're going to stick around very long yeah. uh, because I don't, that is a good point you bring up. I think that, you know, it depends on where you go, where you're adopting from internationally. Um, but yeah, that's, that's good. How about special needs wise? Do you face any sort of looks or things like that? Yeah. 
it, it, that that is probably much more than them being Asian is is being different. Um, we were at the mall two weeks ago and going through the food court. My son Caleb and I, who's in a wheelchair, and uh, a little girl, she's probably five years old, was with her mom at the table, and she she kind of pointed and said to her mom, "What's wrong with that boy?" And um, and my son said later on that he was felt really embarrassed um, by that. And um, I was thinking, what should I have done? Should I have like brought him over, confronted? I, I'm not sure. Um, there was a, another time we were in Louisiana at playground, and uh, it was a very very crowded playground, and our two boys were playing, and a um, a little girl said something like what what's what's wrong with her why is he in a wheelchair and the mother looked at me and she was mortified she goes i'm so sorry i was like no it's a legitimate question uh and that's just a it's a five-year-old girl just asking so we called them over and a group of kids started to gather around and caleb starts to show off by doing uh wheelies and doing circles and they thought it was the most amazing thing ever and so it, it, it was something that was kind of a, a learning for me as an adult is the the questions aren't necessarily negative they're just curious and that we can help educate people on that and explaining uh what that is some people assume especially little kids that caleb must have broken a leg and that's why he's in a wheelchair and not realizing this is something he's always in but that, that's probably the thing that we get the most amount of looks at is just you you don't see you know, especially kids walking around, and um, I think some people are just confused uh, by that. Um, it's it's something that it's certainly changed how I see people um, who are a little bit different and, and a lot more compassion. Um, I think on there too as well. Um, but it, it is something you just have to be ready for as a as a parent, and uh, we can be ferocious in our defending our kids, but I also have to realize, well, these are just honest questions. So let's, let's just answer the questions. And then um, I think people are like, oh, okay. All right. All right. Thank you. And then they go off and let's go play. Um, that's what we want to be able to see on that. Yeah. I know that for me, I'm trying to put myself in, in a certain situations. Like I'm going to try not to get mad because most people don't mean it to be that way. So I have to find that balance. I think that's a great way you yeah. put it. It was good. You're like, how could I've handled that differently? And I'm sure your son was embarrassed by that at the mall. And, yeah. and, and I'm sure it never gets quote unquote easier. And I'm, but I'm sure as he gets older, he'll hear it more often. And, and I, that's one thing. How will I handle that? Well, you know, it, it, it's hard, but that's, I think that's good. You prepare yourself for that as you think about it. And as your kids get older, they'll probably handle it better. So, so we got our boys hooked up with a, a group. Um, it's called the Rochester rookies here and it's all, it's a track and field group, but all the kids, a lot of different ages are in, are in wheelchairs, some ambulatory, but now every week we're at practice and they're, they're with kids in wheelchairs and some of the phenomenal athletes our coach actually represented the united states in the para, the paralympics and so i think getting people around things like that makes them feel not as different because now he's every week he's around dozens of people also in wheelchairs out there um if anything i feel like the awkward one walking around um out there too so that's another thing parents can do and dads can do is we can just get them into groups that we can there's so much opportunity for us to get connected to others these days on that and that is, that's a good way to put, it. I think that community is good. And I know something that my wife and I have already talked about is finding people, uh, other Koreans, uh, other people uh, that look like her, we try to be more mindful of that. And I think in your situation, finding other children that are in wheelchairs, it's nice that you can find other children that have that disability too, so they can kind of 
have that camaraderie, that you know, that fraternity with. All right. So, question I like to ask all all husbands: How did this affect your marriage, or did it affect your marriage? And how so? How have you kind of uh, been able to adjust to that? Yeah, that's that's a good one um, because when you have biological kids, there's not a lot of decision-making going on. It's just hap- like, it's just there. You're, you're pregnant and then like, you don't get to decide anything. It just, that's what happens to you. And with adoption, I personally, I have realized tend to be a very decisive person on things. My wife would say that she's very indecisive. So we struggled a lot with that where I would say, oh, okay, let's, we decide, let's do it. And then we all agree. And then a couple of days later, she's like, I'm not sure. I don't know. What, what about this? I'm, I'm concerned about this. And I would get a little bit frustrated. I was like, but we already decided that. Remember two days ago, we had that conversation. And not realizing what I heard, what I learned is it takes her longer to process and to go through all the permutations and so on. So that was a learning for me. Um, and actually for both boys. And she would have kind of moments of panic because she would also say to me, well, you're going to go off to work and I'm going to be the one that's going to have to take care of these boys. And this is something that's, that's much, I, I need to make sure that I'm ready for this and, and so on. Everybody processing processes things differently. And uh, our marriage now is stronger than it's ever been. But there's been times, especially when we had to make a decision, that it's scary. It, it's, it's scary out there. And like to put in that commitment that, yes, we'll become the parents, and then there's a series of other commitments beyond that um, that you have to do. Cause then you also think, well, I can always back out if I had to, but at some point you get to the point of no return um, and like, all right, what's going to happen. And, and she got a little, um, a little, a little scared actually while we're in Beijing, China the day before be like, what are we doing? This is, this is crazy. How do we get here? And um, that was something as dads, as husbands, I think that we can be that, um, that rock uh, for, for our families on this too, as well. Um, Because it is, we all think of things differently. And that's to your point about, it's not all roses and so on. That, that was actually difficult a lot is getting to that uh, decision uh, where we are. So, um, Hopefully that answers your question. There. Well, it, it gets real when you're on the airplane. I don't even know for me, uh, since we actually have to take two trips, I still think it won't be even real until we actually, you know, it, until our daughter's with us because you can see her and then you leave like, Oh, you're, you're excited, but you're, it doesn't seem real. It's kind of like this thing. And I yeah. think the way you put that you're in, in you're in Beijing or you're, you're like a day away. And then it's, it's like, Ooh, Ain't no joke. It's all fun. You're, you're focused and you've been praying and you've been readying yourself, but you're never fully ready. It's just like, you know, when my sons yeah. were born, it's like, I wasn't fully ready. I read every book, but I still didn't feel ready. I don't feel ready now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll let you know when you're ready to be a parent. It's been 20 years for me, but I'll, I'll let you know once you feel ready <laughs> for that. Well, all right. So we're going to wrap up with our, our with our uh, closing wrap up questions here, uh, Chris. First off, what is your favorite thing to do with your children? You have an afternoon. What are you going to do with them? Yeah, the one of the things that we, because they they're so they're different in age and so on. But the one thing we we love to do is play board games as a family. The the six of us, um, and go around and it's actually our, our younger boys love that time where they can play. And we just did it a couple of days ago, and um, it, it's something we all can do. We're all kind of an equal um, playing field here. And um, where there's a game called Say Anything that my two young boys absolutely love, and that really anybody could do it. Um, so we've been having a lot of fun with that. 
That's great. We have a game we got very similar. It's it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but it's like Cards Against Immaturity. It's for kids. <laughs> so it's like, so it's things like you farted or you picked your nose. My my youngest kids they think it's great. Oh, they'll be laughing like crazy on that. It, sure. It's it's like things like you know. When you see a person do this and it was like, you farted, you picked your nose and ate it. Oh, and so <laughs> I, I understand <laughs> Sounds that. Sounds like something my kids would like. <laughs> oh, I get that. All right. So I ask every dad this, what do you put on a billboard about adoption to other dads? You have one billboard. What do you put on there that would, you know, that you'd want to say about adoption? Um, there's actually a Bible verse that we used as kind of our theme. We used it on our fundraising t-shirts and so on. Uh, we decided to name our first boy, Joshua, and it's actually from the book of Joshua, reading through the Bible uh, as uh, my wife and I right now, too, and we just happened to be on this chapter yesterday. Um, it's Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. And that's, that's something that, the, that Joshua, this warrior, had to be reminded over and over and over again by God, hey, Joshua, I know you're a tough guy, but be strong and courageous, because he was, he, he got fearful and I think that's something that, especially as as fathers, that we we can have the same fears, and we we can put on a aura that you know, hey, I I, I can do anything, but then we also like, hey, I'm I'm kind of scared about this whole thing. So that I, I love Joshua one nine, uh, be strong and and courageous, and I think that is something I'd like to encourage. Um, the adoptive dads out there to do as well. I think fostering goes with that. Sometimes I forget that, but that, you know, I think that's part of it too. I know that for me, I think adopting is almost easier than fostering because I don't, like I said in previous, could I welcome a child in and then have to say goodbye after four or five, six months, a year or something like that. So I think that it is good the way you put that. All right. Last question for you. Uh, what is the best advice you can give an adoptive or potential or a, or a, you know, a current foster or adoptive dad, what would you tell them? You know, um, there's one thing that I've noticed and any dads listening to this podcast would know what I mean here is if you go out onto the YouTube or the Facebook or something, it's like 90% women are mothers. It's 95% or so on. But what I would say is get connected with other dads. That's why this podcast is so important because I haven't seen anything like this. And I always felt like, well, what about the dads? You know, I, you we're, we have a lot of things we go through and we're kind of doing it alone. And the mothers seem to have this really elaborate, uh, groups that can support each other and us dads don't. And so I would say, get connected to the other dads, um, go out with them and become friends with them and, and get to know them and listen to podcasts like this. And, and there's a lot of different Facebook groups and, and so on, but make sure you support each other because going through it alone can be scary. Um, but know that there's thousands and tens of thousands of other adoptive dads out there that are feeling the same thing. So get connected to them lock arms, uh, and let's, uh, get courageous together. Love it. Get courageous together. That sounds like a song that Stephen Curtis Chapman would sing. <laughs> It'll be his next one. When, when remember, you interview remember, him, you can bring that up to him. <laughs> you know, well, uh, Stephen, you always have an open invitation to be on the podcast <laughs> if you're listening uh, or, or as assistant, <laughs> but man, Chris, this has been phenomenal. You, uh, just really hit a lot of stuff and just your openness. I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time out of your day. You got it. He has a shirt and tie on, so I know he's official um, in there. So, but your view of adoption is really good. And if you guys are ever interested in learning about Chris, he has his own Facebook, not Facebook, YouTube channel, uh, Chris Mueller, uh, Muller, excuse me, Muller, Chris Muller. Yep. 
Uh, uh, so he's on there. He's got 2,000 plus subscribers. Uh, he was he answered me right away. You're one of the few. I, I'll email people. Hey, you interested in coming on? Chris got back with me. Chris, I really appreciate you. What a man of faith and just stepping out. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me, David. I'm so glad to be here. Well, you know what? If I can ring for you, just let me know. I don't know what I could help you out with, but I appreciate you coming on. I hope you guys have a great rest of your uh, summer. Awesome. Thank you. You too. I got to say thank you to Chris. Powerful stuff. Easy to talk to. Plus, we talked about Stephen Curtis Chapman. Still trying to get him on. If anybody knows him, they can work that out. But man, Chris, I can't thank Chris enough for coming on. Great stuff. Again, Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Email me at adoptivedadplaybook at gmail. Would love to hear from you. Ideas, prayer requests, guests, anything. I hope you guys have a great couple weeks. Look forward to the next episode. Big news. Thanks for listening to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. Be sure to follow us on social media. 